Holy Oliver Power, the Terry and Jesse Show. We're two Catholics with PhDs in common sense, and we are here to speak the truth in charity. I am on duty. Terry, what about you? Yes, I'm on duty, brother. And, you know, we're two Catholics, you know, just two evangelical Catholics who love the Lord and love the church. We have PhDs in common sense. And every day we get up, Jess and myself, I know this for a fact, we get up and say, who can we help, whether it's our family, our friends, our enemies, to help to introduce them to Jesus Christ? Because that's what we live and breathe for. And so here at Virgin, Mar- Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we're just uh, excited every day to chat with you, our listener. So, Jesse, today's shows, my favorite one is the last segment, Jess oh, Romero, brother. Yeah. Terry? Yeah. Tell me. It's time. It you is. What, uh, there's just, <laughs> I'm going to give the ultimate good news in the fourth segment. I love it. The love it. ultimate good news. Because I'll tell you the, what keeps me Catholic, Terry, yep, and this is what kept me Catholic ever since I had an interior conversion. Yes. Is just like yourself, mm-hmm. is that we fell in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. We fell in love with Our Lady. Yep. And those, Terry, those two reasons are the reasons to be Catholics no matter what happens in your diocese, no matter what happens in the Vatican. Those are the two reasons, Terry, to become Catholic for the rest of your life. You know, Jess, you nailed it because so many people say to me uh, these last many years, man, look at the pics that are going on. Look at what's happening in our church. It's hard. I say, yes, it's God's counting on us lay people to save the church. Bishop Sheen told us this was going to happen in the 1970s. You see, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious now. Yeah, Terry, apparently the uh, all, all over the Internet, yeah. uh, I'm verifying it. I'm getting texts and yeah, emails. It's on Catholic, uh, re- the National Catholic Register. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the Diocese of Phoenix, we've got a replacement to Bishop Thomas Olmsted. Yeah. Uh, his name is Bishop Dolan. He's yeah. the auxiliary from San Diego. Mm-hmm. What I do know about him. Just the facts. Yeah, these are just facts. Yep. As I'm, you know, I'm talking like a, a retired cop. That's right. Is uh, he's one of the fourteen uh, bishops and cardinals and archbishops who is pro LGBT. Yep, he signed that paper. Yep. Yeah. So we so so we know that much about him. And I will tell you this, Terry, just from observing the field the last several decades, and, and Saint Jerome actually says this. Somebody who's who's uh, unchaste. Now, I'm not saying he's unchaste. I'm just saying that mm-hmm. somebody's pro-LGBT, mm-hmm. to me, either in the past they were homosexual uh, or, or they may be active homosexual. Because to be pro-mortal sin about something it ind- indicates to me that you're a participant of the lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, or maybe at this point, I mean, you're, you're too you're too old, as they say, as Terry says, the parts don't work, yeah. and that's why you're not a participant. But the fact that you're still advocating it shows that there's a defect in your in your interior life, a, a, a grave defect. And Saint Jerome says that an unchaste prelate, and I'm not saying he's unchaste, I don't know, but I know he's pro LGBT. He says an unchaste prelate is a theological liberal. In other words. If they're not going to hold to the church's teachings on morality, they're not going to church. To the, they're not going to hold to the church's teachings on theology, Terry. Yeah, see, that applies not to just bishops; it's to us too. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a, a very that's what we call an axiom that's true. Just yeah. today, um, Univer- universal state. The universal is not just bishops; everybody's on that page. Right. Hey, just today, you set up an interview with a children's book from Tan, which is one of the best publishers in the country, 
Our Lady Undoer of Knots. It deals with children and how to teach children the faith. What an important thing we need to talk about. Oh, you ain't kidding. So we'll be covering that, but before Especially we, right now. Especially now. The kids are being inundated with secular stuff. I, I say it every time. If your kids are in California, I, I know this for a fact, do not send them to public school. Make arrangements, other, other arrangements, whether it's a good classic Catholic school or some homeschooling or other issues because you've got private academy. private academy, something yeah. other than public schools because they will, I guarantee, corrupt your kids. Terry, let me mention two things uh, here on the on the need to know file. Okay, this is a good one here. Oh, a little good. bit good. good. <laughs> yeah. hey. I need it. The, the California bishops opposed the cal- the the California constitutional amendment to that's protect right. abortion. That's, right. so that's good news. It is. The California Catholic Conference of Bishops vehemently opposes Senate constitutional amendment SCA ten, which looks to enshrine the mo- looks to enshrine the most extreme forms of abortion in a California's constitution. Uh, the bishops say we believe in protecting life at every age and in every stage. We are extremely troubled by the language in this bill, which is so broad and unrestrictive that it could encourage and protect even late-term abortions, which most Californians oppose. We also fear the boundless scope of this proposed amendment, which asserts a new constitutional right to reproductive freedom, but does not define what that means. Here's another Pretty good news item. Yes, tell me. Uh, Americans uh, down on the economy. A new economist poll found that a majority, that's 55% of Americans, believe that the U.S. is already in the midst of a recession. Nonetheless, on Monday, President Biden tweeted, he tweeted out a message that stood in stark contrast to current public sentiment and reality. He said, hey, today, thanks to the economic plan and the vaccination plan that my administration put into action, America has achieved the most robust recovery in modern history. Terry, what is he talking about? He's not in reality. That's all. The, 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 Terry, that's, that's a statement of a man with dementia. And also some, one other thing, just to, our, our Catholic brothers in the Middle East, two Christian brothers have been sentenced to death in Pakistan for their faith, for blasphemy against the uh, Prophet Muhammad. And so in, in Pakistan, they have blasphemy laws where they arrest Christians and will even execute them. So there are two brothers that are pending execution via hanging for their faith in Jesus Christ because they were they were basically uh, uh, accused of blaspheming Muhammad, who, by the way, is not a prophet in Catholicism, and he's not a prophet at all, by the way. And one more good news story, because sometimes I get tied up with these bad news things. He's a good friend of Father Ed Benioff. He was his pastor. Now he's the Bishop of Fresno, Bishop Joseph Brannan. He came out with a, about a six-page document expressing his support for Archbishop Cordelion over his decision to ban Holy Communion to pro-abortion speaker Nancy Pelosi. And he really hit it hard. I mean, I read his whole letter, and I thought, well, wow. He said, I wanted to come out you know, about a week later to come out with this because I just wanted to really formulate my thoughts well, and he did. And he just basically said that his, the Archbishop is doing his due diligence, that he made uh, you know, the, he made a promise to God to teach the Catholic faith. He's a shepherd. He's trying to shepherd her so to prevent her from going to hell. I think that's exactly why you stand up for the truth. And again, I'm hoping and praying that more bishops will come out with that, Jess. Absolutely. All right, uh, let's get the gospel in there. Unless we got more, Jesse. No, a little soul, little soul food there All right, real quick. Matthew Friday. chapter 5, verse 27 to 32. Hit it, brother. Hit it. Jesus said to his disciples, you have heard that it was said... 
You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Mm. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of, one of the members than to have your whole body thrown into Gehenna. That's hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than to have your whole body go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife must give her a bill of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, unless the marriage is unlawful, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery to the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we call the tough stains of Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Jesse, show the uniqueness of Christianity, specifically Catholicism. Yeah. The Catholic Christian faith is the only faith that does not allow divorce. That's Every right. other religion in the world allows divorce. Mm. Muslims, Jews, yep. Protestants, every religion. The Catholic faith does not allow divorce. We do, have a, we do have a protocol called an annulment, which is not a divorce. It's basically a tribunal. After determining that there was a defect in the consent of one or both, one or both parties, the church renders that uh, that union null. It's, it's, it's nullified. It's, it's annulled. In other words, no sacrament ever took place right. because there was the defect in the consent of one or both of them when they went to the altar and made their vows. Last thing I would say about cutting off your hand and throwing it away, it's better if you lose your hand than to have your whole body go into hell. This is what's called in hyperbole. Our Lord Jesus Christ speaks a lot in hyperbole. In other words, if, if, if we took that literal, we would all be walking around without hands, all of us. That's, in other words, it's a strong statement. Jesus is speaking hyperbole. He's using, he's using exaggerated language to really drive a serious point home about the reality of sin. Terry. Well said. Jesse, real quick, Mother Teresa is with Bishop Sheen. Let's get him into the room. He's the smartest guy in the room. Full Sheen ahead. And Mother Teresa and Bishop Sheen spoke in 1976 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at the Eucharistic Congress. Here's the conversation. Mother says to, to Bishop Sheen, If Jesus had not established the Eucharist, we would have forgotten the crucifixion. It would have faded into the past, and we would have forgotten that Jesus loves us. There is a saying that to be far away from the eyes is to be far away from the heart. To make sure that we do not forget, Jesus gave us the Eucharist as a memorial of his love. When you look at the crucifix, you understand how much Jesus loved you, and then and then look at the sacred host, and you understand how much Jesus loves you now. Amen. You know, Jess, this is why I tell people, spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. I got to go with my brother and my sister-in-law to a 6 a.m. Mass at um, St. Therese in, in Alhambra because I needed to do something early this morning to the airport. Well, we, you know how many people were there at 6? I was at 5.20 in the morning. I was surprised. There were like 60 people praying before the wow. Blessed Sacrament. That, that tells me something. They believe. Hey, a, lot of ca- a lot of Catholics know, Terry, that we're living in some dangerous times. I think so. And that's where we find our peace in Jesus yes. Christ and no other. Yes. All right, Jess, when we come back, we're going to talk about a great book from Tan Books called Our Lady Undoer of Knots. Stay with us, family. This is the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We are too blessed to be stressed and too anointed to be disappointed. Stay with us, family. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to Terry and Jesse Show. 
One of my favorite titles of the Blessed Virgin Mary is Our Lady and Doer of Knots. Knots and, and thankfully, we have an author who's written a book called Our Lady Undoer of Knots. And boy, oh boy, we have all kinds of questions to ask her because I think that's the devotion that we need right now uh, in this culture of death that we're living in, especially as the Roe versus Wade decision. We're just, we're, it's still pending. We're still waiting for the final decision by the Supreme Court. I'd like to welcome to the show Sylvia Dorham. She's an author of a new book called Our Lady Endure of Knots from 10. Sylvia, welcome to the Terry and Jesse show. Can't hear. Hang on, Sylvia. Oh, there you are. Sylvia. There we go. Hey, How's that? There you Perfect. Go. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Sylvia, a lot of people have heard of the Blessed Virgin Mary. You know a lot of titles, you know, Our Lady of Lords, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Some are very popular. But the title, uh, Our Lady Endure of Knots, is not that well known for the average Catholic. I mean, Terry and myself, obviously, you know, we're, we we read a lot about the Catholic faith, so we're aware of this title and this devotion. But can you tell the audience, give us a good overview, who is Our Lady Undoer of Knots? Well, we know the Our Lady part. The Undoer of Knots part came about in about 1612, when a man named Wolfgang married a lady named Sophie. And right from the start, there was a total lack of understanding in the marriage, there was no common ground, and the arguments were intense. And as was the custom in those years in Germany, in the 17th century, when you married each other, you would take a long white ribbon and you would tie your hands together. You'd wrap a ribbon around the two hands. And it was, um, sort of a physical symbol of what was happening spiritually. There was this uniting that was going on. Well, Sophie, every time they would have one of these vicious arguments, would take her wedding ribbon and tie a very tight knot in it <laughs> until it was quite a knotted, dirty mess. When it was just about over, when there was little left of the marriage except for the name, uh, Wolfgang decided that he was going to do something about it. So for four Saturdays in a row, he walked 40 miles from his home to visit a pilgrimage site where there was a Jesuit priest named Father Jacob. And Father Jacob believed very strongly in the intercession of Our Lady. And so he took the knotted ribbon that Wolfgang had brought to him that was the symbol of this marriage that was falling apart. And Father Jacob took it in front of an image of Our Lady of the Snows. And as the story goes, as he was praying there, this messy, dirty, knotted mess came untangled in his hands at the prayers of Our Lady. Wow. So about 85 years later, the story had traveled down through generations of the family. And Wolfgang and Sophie's grandson had a painting commissioned that still hangs today in the Church of St. Peter in Augsburg, Germany. And it happened that it was still hanging there when um, an Argentinian seminarian, whose name was Jorge Bergoglio, <laughs> saw it in the mid-20th century. And he took that devotion with him back home to Argentina. And the rest, as they say, is history. history. <laughs> That's right. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, when would we, the Our Lady Endure of Knots, this devotion, uh, when can people, or when do you recommend, I mean, obviously you've done all, all the research, 
when should people seek recourse to Our Lady of Door of Knots, maybe like in a nine-day novena or a 54-day novena? Uh, in, in what situations do, should Catholics seek recourse to her? Well, I'll give you my experience. And my experience is that she has always been about relationships. And in fact, that was the first time I came to really meet her after I had heard of her. I brought to her a situation where I had done everything I thought was earthly possible for me to do to try to have a good relationship with some people at a volunteer organization where I was working. And there was just seemingly nothing that could work. Um, so I just put it in her hands. I said, okay, um, how about this? Our Lady Endure of Knots, please pray for us that one day we would be good friends. And you know, part of you is always like, well, yeah, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> uh, but you know, about two years later, I was texting some very dear friends and the Holy Spirit stopped me short and said, what just happened? And I said, I just, oh, these two dear friends that I'm texting right now are the same two friends that there was nothing I could do wow. to get them to get along with me. And here we are, it's two years later, and not we're not just friends, we're not just acquaintances, we're good friends. Awesome. And yeah, and isn't that like God? Amen. He takes things that are impossible in human terms and make something possible happen from that. And I think Our Lady just loves to do that. So Our Lady of Door of Knots, that's probably, you would say that's the go-to devotion if you're in a bad relationship or if you want to try to uh, bring a relationship back to harmony. That's the, that's the Marian title that we should be invoking in prayer, correct? Well, that is a Marian title to invoke in prayer, but it has been extraordinarily okay. effective in my life. That's not okay. the only time it happened. And when it happened again, I said, you know what, there's something here. So I put together this little children's story and made all of the situations in it something that had happened in my own life. For instance, there's a scene in it where a little boy forgets that he has asked for her intercession about the health of his dog and then realizes weeks later that the dog is healthy and that he needs to go say thank you. <laughs> mm. Incredible. So tell us, so give us some more, more backstory uh, for why you wrote the book. Give us... Give us some of the uh, things that were that you were pondering or reflecting in your mind that uh, eventually you put pen to paper and says, you know, I'm going to write this down. I think people need to hear about it. So what's the backstory of the book? Well, beside the story that I just told you, my big concern is that people, we live in our faith, but we don't necessarily live the faith in the sense of, we don't really take it seriously or literally or at face value. We say we have these friends, our intercessors, the saints, and yeah, we ask them for help. But I think if we really realized the incredible resource that we have in their intercession, we would be running, not walking to our icon corners, to our churches, to um, the places of devotion, even just our own closets. And we would be spending a lot more time asking for them because they're our allies. They want to help us. They want us to live better Christian lives so that the messes that we have in our world don't get quite as bad as they are now. Sylvia, let me jump in for a minute, just to ask a quick question. When it talks sure. about children's books, I mean, I'm a grandfather, Jess is too, and we read to our grandchildren on a regular basis. And this sounds like a, a book from Tan that uh, we can say, hey, this would be good for our kids. Can you tell us what the kids will get out of it? 
Actually, let me let me change that around a little and mm -hmm. say this is a great book for parents who are reading to their kids. Yeah, good. And I, when I write children's stories, I really, honestly, am writing to the adults who are reading the children's stories to their their children. The children will believe what you tell them. That's right. The question is, do you believe mm -hmm. what you're telling them? So it's all designed to be very catchy as far as the tone and the rememberability of it because it's written with a rhyme and a rhythm and a verse that make it repeat over and over in your head throughout the day. But what I'm mostly concerned with is that the mom or the dad, or in your case, the grandparents who are reading to the children, they remember too. Got it. That we're still Our Lady's children and we need her intercession. She just picks us up and carries us right to her son. Amen. Sylvia, Sylvia I, I, I'm not sure if you covered this or maybe I missed it, but is, is there an apparition of Our Lady and Door of Knots? This, this, uh, this, so it's not an apparition. So how it is this not an apparition. It is strictly a painting and this devotion that rose out of a familial situation that is unfortunately all too familiar oh, yeah. in our modern day. And what it just turns out to be is that our mom still loves us and she tries every which way to show herself to us so that we can take advantage of the resources that she has available. Got it. So what's the backstory of the illustrator? Well, this illustrator, when we started working on this story, was a teenage homeschool girl. And I had known her for quite a while because she and I had worked on other projects. We have some human trafficking books that we've worked on together. And she is an amazing artist. When you talk about homeschooling, you often think about these children who um, don't go to school, but in fact, there's often also a talent that the parents have the opportunity to develop in the homeschool that wouldn't get as much attention were they in a regular brick and mortar school. And that's exactly what happened with Mia Sasser, uh, who illustrated this book. She has an amazing talent with the visual arts. And so we had worked together. And when I proposed this book to her, she was in the middle of trying to start art school and, and learn various techniques. And so it didn't come about. And I tried another illustrator and it didn't work. And I kept saying, Lord, what is going on? And he's like, just wait, just wait. It's not my timing yet. And later on, I went back to her and said, you know, it's been a couple of years. Do you think we could fit this into your schedule again? And it worked. So the holy coincidence made the timing work out and she was able to do this story. And I just feel like her illustrations are so full of joy and love. I mean, when you look at her rendition of Our Lady, you can tell she has a relationship with her because it's just the most loving, beautiful picture. And when we've sort of tested it with other children, that's what they primarily say is that mm -hmm. the illustrations really make them feel like um, God loves them and Our Lady is watching out for them. We are talking with Sylvia Dorham. Sylvia Dorham, she's, uh, her new book is called Our Lady Undoer of Knots. It's put out by 10. Uh, Sylvia, how can people get the book? Well, of course, there's this big online place that you can order from, but I really like to encourage people to go to their local brick-and-mortar Catholic store, which yeah, is doing yeah. all the hard work yeah, to make yeah. sure that these resources are physically present in our communities. So if you have a local Catholic store, please go there and, and order it there or pick it up off their shelves. Otherwise, the TAN website also has it. Yeah, support Catholic uh, companies and apostolates, absolutely. By the way, I just want to mention for people that may be confused as they're listening to the interview, because this is a common question with Catholics. They'll say, oh, 
There's a lot of Blessed Virgin Marys. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady Endure of Knots. So, Sylvia, is there a lot of Blessed Virgin Marys out there appearing all over the world throughout the centuries? Because <laughs> that's a question people have. Trust me, it's a common question. Oh, yeah. Well, let me give it a common answer. No. <laughs> no, there's just one. But in the same way that your personality might be one where you like to get up early in the morning, or maybe you learn better by listening, whereas your brother might learn better by doing things, or your someone else learns better by hearing. Um, Our Lady comes to us in many different forms so that, as St. Paul said, um, by all means, everyone can be saved. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. she has become all things to all people Yes, in that same way so that everyone can be reached on a level where they can understand it. And this relational level, I think, is especially important in our times when we've really sort of cut out all relational things and everything is very transactional. Our interactions with other people are less about love and being concerned for the well-being of another. And it's more about, let me get done what I need to get done so I can move on to the next thing on my, my list yep. of things. Awesome. Sylvia Doran from a book called Our Lady of uh, Undoer of Knots, 10 Books Publications. Pick up that book soon. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back Thank with more. Thank you. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry and Jesse Show. We're back with Sylvia Dorham. She's an author of a new book, Our Lady Undoer of Knots. This is so important. I'll tell you why, Sylvia. You've uh, people, authors like yourself that are writing books that are compatible with children. I'll tell you why this is so important. Because the enemy, the 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 enemy of our faith, uh, the culture of death, they have authors that are going to public schools, to their libraries, and they have transvestites reading garbage to our children. And so you're fighting back. You're giving, you're giving as St. Paul says, the sweet aroma of Christ mm. to the children. The other side is giving, you know, nothing but... Uh, you know, garbage and polluting the mind of these young people. So I want to congratulate you for that because you just stepped into into a, a, an incredible battle with, with the enemy, writing books that are compatible for children because that's exactly what the devil's trying to do right now through the Temple of Satan and all these other groups out there. He, they're going after our children and they're going after the educational system by reading them books that are pure, uh, pure impiety, as we used to say, back uh, before Vatican II. Let me ask you a question. Um, give us some tips for teaching the Catholic faith in ways that kids can remember. Great question. So here's a question for you. Did you ever uh, learn from the Baltimore Catechism? Oh, yes. Yeah, both of it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I'm going to ask you, who made me? God made me. Of course. Who is God? God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy exactly. Spirit. Right, exactly. So all of these years later, just give me an estimate. How many years has it been? 50, 60 years, 50, okay. years, 50, 50 some odd years. Why is that still in your brain? Because it was simple. It's, uh, it it, it kind of rhymes, I, I guess. It's like, mm -hmm. a, it's like a simple little rhyme that I can remember. The, 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 the classic one, I was made to know, love, and serve God. 
in this life and to spend all eternity with him in the next. It just, it's just, they're just simple little cliches that I've remembered for 50 some odd years. Isn't that something? Okay. So think of your brain like a blank wall. And in order to hang the tremendous amount of information in your brain that your brain's going to collect over your lifetime, we need little hooks on the wall, like coat hooks. Mm -hmm. So we have to figure out the best ways to attach hooks to the walls and then hang information on it. Now think about the advertising agency. Have they figured out how oh, yeah. to... Oh, yeah, because, I mean, I remember jingles from my childhood. <laughs> I remember the product. I remember the story. You could even play just a fraction of it, and I would remember what it is. And it's the same way with the faith. So what does the advertising industry use? They use, number one, rote, which is what you just described when you said, who is God? God is the all-perfect being, creator of heaven and earth. We memorize that, and that's what rote is. You go over and over and over and over. You repeat it. So rote and repetition go together. Those help a lot, especially if you're a boy. Add running to that so or stomping. So if you're teaching your kids who is God, you can add clapping or a rhythm, who is God, and have them repeat back. God is the all-perfect being, creator of heaven and earth. So now there's a tune, and there's a rhythm, and there's a physical movement that go with it. So we have, with my little Sunday school class, we, uh, we learned quite a bit of the Baltimore Catechism by stomping and jumping it together. <laughs> it's amazing what sticks in, and I'll see them on the street, or I'll see them in, in church, and, and they'll be like, hey, Mrs. Dorham, who made me? And, you know, they remember it. And this is 10, 15 years later, just like what you described. The other thing that we can do is set things to rhyme. And that's really what I've tried to do in my children's books is make sure that there's a rhyme because unbidden, those rhymes come back to your brain, as you know, because all the time we spend saying, oh, stop singing that song. Oh my gosh, that horrible song is in my head. And at least in the, in the Byzantine part of the church, I have to say the Jesus prayer almost constantly when I get something stuck in my head like that, because it is an attack from the enemy and the enemy doesn't like the name of Jesus. So I just say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, the sinner, until that song goes away. But if we can utilize that same technique and get the rhyming and a nice tune to it, well, then suddenly you can remember all sorts of things. Like, for instance, can you name the 12 apostles? There you go. Yeah. You know, so you'll, you'll, you'll teach You know, them, Sylvia, can I mention them, something? Yeah. You'll it, teach it to them in a rhyme, You correct? will. And you know who did that to also? The heresy of Arianism to songs. And yes! Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Arius of Alexandria. Yeah, he did that same he thing. He taught heresy. So why can't little, we make short, it little... in a positive way rather than? That's right. And his songs were so catchy yeah. that the whole entire place was singing it and catechizing themselves whether they knew it or not. Exactly. That's why we have to make it attractive by attaching these hooks to the walls in ways that are memorable and come unbidden to the brain. Hey, the, exactly the, right. the Bishop's Conference needs to hire you as a teacher for, the, for <laughs> them and for the whole church. I love your style. You ain't kidding. Thanks. T well, there's more. There's more. The 12, I, I can tell you want to say, teach us the 12 apostles. I do. Song, I do. Are you ready? Song. It, yeah. Yeah. One here. Because I can it tell goes you. like want this. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Thomas, James, and Philip, Bartholomew, and Matthew, Peter, June, oh, oh, and there I messed it up. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Peter, John, and Judas Iscariot, after Jesus died, came Matthias, who took the place of Judas, who betrayed him. Do you know that song? What's the tune? 
I don't know this. It's song. an yeah, yeah, no. It's it's one of the American it's, classics. It's, right, uh, it's Yankee Doodles. Doodle. So okay. yeah. <laughs> just like the guy Francis Scott Key, who wrote our national anthem, used a bar song that was popular at the time and said a poem to it. The same thing can be done with the faith because we already know the song, and we already know the rhythm. So if we put the words in it that match, then we've already got a hook in our brain to I store this it. information. You know, it's interesting, like Terry, Terry just mentioned, Arius of Alexandria taught people heresy by teaching them songs, little ditties exactly. like that. Yep. And also, I, I, I saw years ago a video, Anton LaVey, the founder of the Church of Satan, he said the right. same thing back in the 60s. He said, yep. he says, if we can control music, we can control the youth. And so exactly. he knew that short little statements you know, that had little musical notes to them promoting Satanism, he could spread the occult throughout the youth. So the enemies of our church have known this technique as well for, for, for centuries, right, Sylvia? Absolutely. And you can see them using it. I like to think of, think of John Lennon's song, Imagine. Oh, now, how many times have we sort of started singing that in our head and went, oh my gosh, oh, what am I singing? What am I saying? What am I saying? Right. Yeah. It's heresy coming out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> And it's such a catchy tune. It is. And it's it, played it, on all the radios. So we have it repetition, repetition, repetition. Yes. Uh, yeah. Another one that's catchy is, is again, your Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Oh, my yeah. word. Right? Cat okay. And we all know tune. that, yeah, there are lots of other techniques that our enemy uses. But instead, let's utilize these God-given gifts, which is how our brain functions, yep. to remember volumes of information. Like how much scripture do we memorize? We can memorize scripture precisely and accurately so that it comes unbidden to our brain at the times that the Holy Spirit is trying to quicken us to do something. But you have to put in the work to memorize it first. Well said. Yeah. yeah. Well said. So Sylvia, uh, why... Why does remembering the faith by heart, why does it really matter? Let me offer a scenario. Let's say you're a kid and you're on, uh, I won't say the playground because let's go a little older kid. You're in the hallway and someone says to you, well, why do you have that crucifix hanging in your locker anyway? That stuff is a bunch of, you know, whatever. Um, quick, defend your faith. Well, uh, um, uh, <laughs> that's not a very compelling argument. Um, uh, is not a compelling argument. So there are moments that come to us without warning where we need to be ready to give a response for the hope that rot lies within us. And that's scriptural too. But if we haven't put it in there, we haven't even hung any hooks on our walls, then we don't have anything to say in response. Yeah. So how can the Holy Spirit use you if you're not ready? Yeah, this is the way you teach apologetics. Yes. Yeah. We teach yeah, apologetics, yeah. you know, basic apologetics by giving scripture, but if you can put it to the tunes, they'll remember it. Kind of like, if you agree with this, Sylvia, the idea that people remember stories more than your teachings. Is that a fair statement? Well, isn't that what Jesus did? That's exactly what he did. Yeah. That's yeah. why I said it. Sylvia, how can uh, people get the book? Well, you know, I always say... Although there's that big online place, it would be better if you can go to your local Catholic brick-and-mortar store and support the people who are bringing these resources physically to our local areas. Yep. So help what, them out what, by what, going there. What's the title of the book, Sylvia? 
It's called Our Lady Undoer of Knots, and it's written in a nice rhyme that will help you remember. Yeah. <laughs> and if Ten you can't books, get your bookstore, yeah. go go right to Tan Books. They're a great publishing house. They got lots Ten of books. Tanbooks.com, tanbooks.com. Yep. Yep. Sylvia, is there anything else that you want to tell parents? I mean, we have a two or th- about two minutes left. Oh, uh, okay. So can I can I go off on my fangirl? Yes. Yes. Here? I'm such a fangirl. Oh, my gosh. Back in the 90s, we used to hand out your CDs. Oh, we went to St. Joseph Communication, and we used to buy them by the cases, literally yours and Patrick Madrid's. And we would just hand them out to everybody. And we were were that group of people. (laughs) But it's such an honor to be here with two men who have dedicated their lives to serving God completely. So thank you for that example. Sylvia, you probably went to the family conference a few times. I went in Long Beach, right? We certainly did. We were a military family, and we're stationed on that coast at the oh, time. Oh, my gosh. Hey, can I throw one more uh, Old Testament? King Neber, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, uh, one of our listeners said he, he used this in music for the idol worship also in the Old Testament. Ah. He absolutely yeah. did. And remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got of in course. trouble? It was because they wouldn't fall down when the music played. Of course. And you know what? That has so many applications today. Oh, my yeah. gosh. We are totally in that situation. <laughs> yeah. So be strong and courageous and stand against the tide and instead fill your kids and your own mind with stuff that belongs there. I know I'm going to get a lot of people asking, Sylvia, how do they contact you on the Internet? What do you tell them? Oh, I don't usually. Okay. No, I'm being honest. I, I know they're going to be inundating They're going to want your email, yeah. ask you questions. They're going to be asking. So there's no... Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Tell me. In order to contact me, if they want to contact me, first they have to contact you because it's <laughs> your awesome station that is promulgating the faith in California and around the world. All right. And if they want to, they got to talk to you first. All right. Got it. God Sounds bless good. you. Keep up and the good you. work. Yep. Thank you. You too. You bet. See you on the other side. Amen. Okay. Next, we're going to be talking about Life is Short, Eternity is Forever with Jess Romero, the Kingship of Christ. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Terry. Wow. Getting to yeah, this woman was pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, what a what a great uh, You're not kidding, Jim. what a great uh, contribution to the Catholic Church she is. You know, Pope Benedict once said he says the 16th. He says if we let Christ into our lives, we lose nothing. Amen. Nothing, absolutely nothing. I can tell you, I'm a 60 year old man. I let Christ into my life at the age of 26. I can actually remember I was in a police car. Uh, Paul Clay, he was there. He prayed with me, I and he asked, it. and he had, he was a Protestant. I love it. And he asked Jesus to come into my life, and yep. he just told me, to go, just, just, just open your heart, just, just open your heart. I'll never forget that moment, Terry. It was thirty-four years ago. <laughs> I was a cheap Catholic, like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. I was a cheap Catholic, and uh, it was that prayer with Paul uh, that he had the guts to pray for me. And, and asked me to open my heart, and I did. And I can tell you this, getting to know Jesus Christ, it's life's greatest pursuit. Amen. Because Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all my desires. I tell guys all the time, because I do a lot of men's talks, I tell them, i got a man crush on Jesus. Yep. Let me tell you why I love Jesus, and why it's important for you to know him. 
What does it mean to know Jesus? It means experiential knowledge. You're praying, you're talking to Him, you're spending time in His presence in front of the Blessed Sacrament, you're receiving Holy Communion, living in a state of grace, you're reading your Bible, you're meditating on the life of Jesus through the Rosary. That's what it means to know Him. That's right. And here's what the Bible says, by the way. The Bible says that my King, Jesus, He's the King of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the king of the universe. Yep. That's our king. Amen. Catholics, that's our king. And my question to you is, do you know him? Do you know him? Our king, Jesus, he's a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. His love is unconditional. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's perfect. He's sinless. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortal. And he's full of grace. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Mm -hmm. And guess what? He's the sinner savior. Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of all civilization. He's unparalleled. There's nobody like him. He's unprecedented. Jesus is the loftiest idea in literature. Jesus is the highest personality in philosophy. Jesus is the fundamental doctrine of true theology. Jesus is the only person qualified to be our Savior. That's right. My question is, do you know him? Not know about him. First question is, do you know him? Did you know that Jesus, he supplies strength for the weak? Did you know that Jesus is available for the tempted and those who are tried? Did you know that Jesus sympathizes and he saves us weak sinners? Do you know that Jesus strengthens us and he sustains us throughout life? Did you know that Jesus guards us and he guides us? He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debts. He delivers the captives. Jesus defends the feeble. Jesus blesses the young. Jesus serves the unfortunate. And guess what? He thinks about you right now. When he was on the cross, he was thinking about me and Terry and you. Jesus Christ loves the elderly. Jesus Christ rewards the diligent. Jesus Christ beautifies the meager. My question is, do you know him? Because Jesus Christ, he's the key to knowledge. Jesus Christ is the wellspring of wisdom. Jesus Christ is the doorway of deliverance. Jesus Christ, he's the pathway of peace. Jesus Christ is the roadway to righteousness. Jesus Christ, he's the highway to holiness. Jesus is the gateway to glory. My question is, do you know him? 
Jesus' life was perfect. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. And Jesus' love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. And Jesus, His reign is righteous. And His yoke is easy. And His burden is light. Man, I wish I could describe Jesus to you. But He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. Jesus is irresistible. My eyes are watering right now. Because... Because when I talk about Jesus Amen. and what he means to me, when I met him 34 years ago in a police car, yep. thanks to Paul Clay, I just want you to know him. I can't describe him. I really can't. But I can tell you this. For 34 years... I can't, I can't get Jesus out of my mind, mm-hmm. and I don't want to. Nope. I never want to get him out of my mind. And guess what? You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. You know, the, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, they couldn't stand him, and they tried to stop him, but they couldn't. And, and Pilate, he, he, he couldn't find any fault in him. And Herod, Herod couldn't kill him. And guess what? Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Yep. The grave couldn't hold him. That's my Jesus. Amen. That's our King. That's our Lord. And guess what, Catholics? He's coming back one day. Yep. Don't be afraid. He's coming back one day. And He loves you. And he chose you at baptism. He chose you from before the foundations of the world. And in confirmation, he gave you the graces. He gave you all you need to be a soldier of Christ. And I just want to thank you for being a listener to VMPR. God bless you. Thank you for for believing in what me and Terry are trying to do. Catholic evangelization, it starts with Jesus. And it ends with Jesus. Amen. And it will end in heaven. And the more that we know about Jesus and the more we pray to Jesus, the more we will know about Jesus and fall in love with Him. And we're going to want to share Jesus with those around us. Let me tell you, I'm a nobody. Terry's a nobody. I'm a nobody that wants to tell anybody that there's somebody that could save anybody. And that somebody's called Jesus. The name of Jesus is the most perfect prayer when you feel you're all alone and you're in darkness Call upon the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is like honey on my lips. The name of Jesus is like my melody at midnight. The name of Jesus is that hymn that's in my heart. The name of Jesus is that sweet song in the storm of life. Jesus is our warrior king and he's our servant friend. And yes, I've got a man crush on Jesus. Jesus Christ is the perfect lover and he's the perfect fighter and he's coming back to take us. Are you ready? Terry, take Yes, God bless you, brother. That's from the heart and I'll tell you, you started with a quote from Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI and I'll end with it. He said, there's nothing more beautiful than to be surprised by the gospel 
by the encounter with Jesus Christ. He says, there's nothing more beautiful than to know him and to speak to others of our friendship with him. Yes, that's what you just communicated, what the Pope Benedict just said. And this is why we get up every morning to teach people about the meaning and purpose of life. But remember, Jesse said it well. He, you know, there's freedom here. God has given you the freedom to say yes to him and to say no. I hope and pray you'll say no because there's only the only value in saying yes to Jesus Christ is you have the freedom to say no. It's free will. Jesus made Jesse made that personal choice 30 some years ago to follow Christ. And this is an altar call. I'll just call it right here, Jess. We're calling all of our listeners right now. If you haven't made that commitment to Jesus Christ, go before a Eucharistic king. Let me pray with them, Terry. Yes. Anybody who wants to right now just surrender your life to Jesus, let's pray right now in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And pray with me. Pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the Almighty Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will. All that I haven't possessed, you have given all to me, Jesus. To you, O Lord Jesus, I return it. All of my life is yours, Jesus. Dispose of it according to your holy will. Jesus, give me your love and your grace, for this is sufficient for me. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Jess, thanks so much. Folks, again, when Jesse said thank you for helping us promote Virgin Most Powerful Radio, this is what we're here for. We're here to promote the authentic teachings of the church. It's not Jesse Romero. It's not Terry Barber. It's the teachings of the perennial teachings of Jesus Christ put through his church for 2,000 years. And we're going to continue to do that. And I'll tell you when Jesse and myself stop, five minutes after we're dead, because that's when our judgment is going to be our judgment seat, and we will be judged. Remember what, what Fulton Sheen said about that. There'll come a time. You're going to see the two faces. Are you ready, folks? Here's what he says. He says this, There comes a time in the life of every man when at that supreme tragic hour of death, his friends and relatives ask, How much did he leave? It's just that at that split second, God is asking, How much did we take with him? It's only the later question that matters, for it's only our works that will follow us. Jesse, we, we end every show with this. And before I ask you this, don't forget, Father, uh, Father, Father, uh, what's, uh, Father Murr will be with us on Monday. Jess and I are taking the day off for that. But Jess, what state, he'll be talking about the third-degree murder, the Masons. But Jess, what state should we be living in? State of grace, don't live in a state of mortal sin. Give your life to Jesus every day, every single day. Give him your life. Amen. Up next, the Bible with the barbers, but don't forget Our Lady of Fatima said it's Friday. He said, souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Are we willing to make sacrifices? Please say yes, because that's how we save souls through participating with the kingship of Jesus Christ. God love you.